strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Interesting days as we move forward with a new look, uh, new state legislature. Now, the, the, the numbers have stayed the same in the state legislature, although the faces have changed so- somewhat. There is a one-seat majority in the House and the Senate for the Republicans, so they control both chambers. But they are now faced with dealing with a governor that is a Democrat, and she has different ideas for the direction of the state. And, you know, she has a right to the plans that she wants to make. She has to negotiate with them. They have to negotiate with her. And I'm interested to see how the two parties are going to work together. So the Senate President Warren Peterson joined us in studio this morning. And I really hope you'll go back and listen to the full interview. It was very informative. And um, I, I was happy to hear the detail and the thought, even if you disagree with if you're on the other side of the aisle from him, there the, the process of what they're trying to accomplish, I thought was great. So he came out with that. I shouldn't say he, but they in the uh, in the Senate have come out with an inflation plan to help lower inflation and the costs for some voters and some of the citizens of Arizona. So I asked him a little bit about this and he admitted that inflation is mostly a federal issue. Inflation is mainly a federal problem. Um, it doesn't take a ro- rocket scientist to realize that the massive amount of spending has watered down everybody's money supply. But there are at least four things that we can do here in Arizona at a statewide level to reduce inflation. So there are a couple of things he talked about. Removing the rental tax, he said, as a homeowner, when you own a home and you pay your mortgage, you don't pay a tax on that mortgage. But if you're a renter, you are paying taxes on that rent. And although it's between 50 and 200 bucks per tenant that it is not a huge amount of money but it adds up he said it's a tank of gas for a working family i like that thought process behind it saying that you know every little bit adds up and so for to help families he talked about getting rid of the food tax now i and and i should have asked him this for clarification but i believe those are local taxes and not a state tax i don't know if they're going to outlaw those taxes or what the plans are but saying that people should not have to pay taxes on the basic necessities in the places where where the taxes there also, but there was something else he talked about. I talked. I mentioned a long time ago that I liked the reduction in regulation. I liked what the former governor did in allowing people to come here with a license. If you had an occupational license, if you have a specialized skill that requires a, a certificate of proficiency and an occupational license, that if you come to Arizona from another state and you have a good standing license in another state for one year. You can bring that license with you to Arizona, hang up your shingle, and go to work while you go through the licensing process in Arizona. And I thought it was terrific, whether you're a a cosmetologist, a barber, a massage therapist, whatever those occupational licenses are, you should not be bogged down by the red tape to go to work and ply your trade. Well, this is in addition to that. He talked about the cost for occupational licenses and the state rescinding some of those. We've got a lot of one-time money. We got about $2 billion in one-time money in our budget. We could use that to suspend occupational licenses for a couple years, eliminate those. I'm talking about barbers, cosmetologists, massage therapists, you know, these are a lot of these people are single moms. They're just trying to get by. And you could be talking about $100 to $500 a year. But again, these are little things that help people make ends 
ends meet. And I, I like um, <clears throat> the sweeping tax cuts that we see. They're always saying they apply to the wealthy. And in this case, that's not what's happening. These are working people that are would, would benefit greatly from this. <clears throat> so I like the idea and the principle behind it. He also talked about regulation. And I love this because he comes from the construction world. He understands home building better than most people because he's been in the construction industry as long as he has been associated with construction, especially home builders, for such a long time. So he talked about the extended period of time it takes to go from a piece of dirt to a home and the chime and how it's changed. When we used to have a situation like this where you had this high demand for housing, we could take dirt, uh, a house from dirt to house in six months. Mm-hmm. You know how long that process takes now? It's four years to do the same thing that we used to do. 20- so we can't respond to the market and it's government is the problem. And I couldn't agree more. We've talked about supply chain. We've talked about housing in Arizona and how the demand in housing has made us, at least for a time, the highest inflation rate in the entire country. And uh, that's been true. It's been now we aren't number one anymore. I think we've been replaced by Miami, Florida, but we're still very high, higher than the national average. And part of it is the cost of housing, rental property and owning property. And if you talk to a business owner, big or small, And you ask them what is more costly to their business, higher taxation or compliance, you're going to see a lot of companies struggle with an answer to that question because the compliance of a lot of things takes an issue. So we talked about the expense of it, and uh, he talked about expenses being put on the consumer because not only does it extend the period of time to build a home, but it it costs a lot more money to build that home. Not only are there more permits and more processes that you all have to pay for, that all, of course, has to be absorbed in the cost. But probably the biggest thing is, as you know, Mike, time is money. And if I buy property and pay 100000 an acre or 300000 an acre, you take the interest rate and you expand that interest rate over seven years. And then once you start putting the infrastructure into it, now that's an even higher balance that you're paying interest on. And so at the end of the day, it's the customer who pays for that. So if the goal, and I think it is for everyone, is we want to make sure that construction is done in an order fashion, that it is done correctly, that we want to be building good quality homes. We don't want to build low quality homes. We don't want to see homes that in 10 years are dilapidated because of poor construction. We don't want to see that. And I will tell you more than now, now more than ever, having seen where I grew up in Fort Myers, Florida, ravaged by Hurricane Ian, and seeing my brother's neighborhood largely unscathed structurally, although there was a lot of damage from water and flood, uh, roof stayed on, home stayed standing, um, and, and there was good quality construction. And you think, okay, there's a difference when you look at one neighborhood and you're seeing devastation and one that's right nearby. Could it be that there was a cell there of the wind got – sure it is. But at the same time, you are looking also at quality. No one wants to compromise on quality, but we also understand that there is redundancy that we that comes in, that we get redundant in regulation, we get redundant in oversight, it becomes very expensive. It adds to the bottom line of the home purchaser because it adds to the bottom line of the home uh, builder. And also in that is the extended amount of time, and that's what he talked about. We could build a home in six months in Arizona years ago. Now it's taking four years to get through the red tape to get that home built and someone moved into it. We can't.
cannot sustain those kinds of time frames. So I, I thought there was brilliance in the simplicity of what he talked about. I thought he broke it down very, very well. He did say that um, the governor and he agreed and she had said during the she wanted to get rid of some of the red tape. So he believes that there's some areas there where they can work together. But we also understand that there is going to be a dramatically different approach by the governor um, and based on her political ideology. And so there's going to have to be give and take on both sides. I just hope they come to an agreement that makes it easier in Arizona. Let's build them faster. That doesn't mean we don't build them as well. We build them faster. We give people housing at an affordable price. You're not going to drop the property value on people that live in the neighborhoods now. It's not like you're going to see a dramatic drop in home values. But what you're going to see is options which means the prices become more affordable, supply and demand. Coming up in a moment, uh, we are going to do something we do every day at 1120. We call it Did You Hear This? It's coming up here just momentarily. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, time to catch you up on the biggest news stories of the day. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. The clock is ticking for the United States economy as it prepares to hit its debt ceiling. And ABC's Elizabeth Schulze explains what could happen if the ceiling is not extended. As we saw in 2011, when there was a showdown over the debt ceiling, the U.S. credit rating was downgraded. And what that means is that there's a general sense that the U.S. might not be able to pay its bills. And this is the world's biggest economy. How bad would it be if we don't do something at the deadline? Yeah, we got to get something done. This is part of the negotiations in government. This is the game of chicken <clears throat> that our leaders sometimes play. And it's always a dangerous one because it's going to cost the American taxpayers in excess of billions and billions of dollars if we make the wrong choice. At the same time, we have to get our fiscal house in order. That negotiation is important. Let's see what they get done. <laughs> ABC News national security contributor John Cohen explains that while some classified documents that end up in the wrong place can be accidental, it is still important to investigate it. We have millions of documents uh, at different levels of classification, some in paper, some electronic. There is no system except for a very small subset of material to track each individual piece. Uh, much of it's on an honor system. Why do you think there hasn't been a system set in place in the past? I, I don't know, and that was the question I asked Dave ago, which is how prevalent is this? What do other presidents and other vice presidents that are still alive, what do they have? And is it classified? Is it something that isn't stored properly? Is this a pretty widespread problem? Or is this something that was just kind of an anomaly with these, with the president and his current president and former President Trump? Let's start there. And then from there, ask that question that you just asked, Julia. Why isn't there a, pro a process in place that better tracks classified? Classified information. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at 1120 to catch you up on the big headlines. Arizona Senate President Warren Peterson joined you in studio today and discussed multiple topics, one of which is a plan to help lower Arizona's inflation rate. Inflation is mainly a federal problem. The massive amount of spending has watered down everybody's money supply. But there are at least four things that we can do here in Arizona at a statewide level to reduce inflation. His plan includes eliminating rental and food taxes, suspending the need for some occupational licenses, and getting rid of red tape. What did you think of his ideas? 
I like a lot of his ideas. The problem uh, is, is, is it's, you're going to have to negotiate, and can that be negotiated out, especially with the occupational license part of it? It doesn't eliminate the requirements for a license. What it does is it suspends the cost to the business owner. It doesn't sound like a big deal to some, but if you're a one-person operation, if you run a very small business, a couple of hundred bucks is a lot of money, and that's the what he kept talking about was it's a $50 here, a couple of hundred dollars there, but you're talking about a, a cart full of groceries, you're talking about a tank full of gas, and for families right now in need, that's a big deal. And I, I just, I like the forethought, and I like the thinking on trying to get this done. President Peterson also talked with you about the importance of the Empowerment Scholarship account for families. I literally know families where one student has an ESA, one student is going to a charter school, and one student is going to a district school. All three of these education models serve a purpose. None of them are going anywhere, including ESA. Do you think we could see an ESA plan be compromised on between Governor Hobbs and the legislature? We'll see because she's going to have a long way to go here on this one and we'll see. I don't I don't know that she's going to be able to accomplish what she wants to accomplish. Uh, I will say this. I, I agree with Mr. Peterson with uh, the Senate president 100 percent on the premise of what he just said that, you know, it's not a one size fits all. We understand that all kids are different. Giving families a choice, even within their own family, to educate their children in the way that they believe best suits that individual child seems to be a no brainer to me. So I hope it stays the way it is. But we'll see. We have a new governor, maybe a new direction. We're going to see how it all works out. All right. Good job, Julie. As always, that is Did You Hear This for another day. We will do it again tomorrow at 1120 to get you caught up on the headlines tomorrow. Uh, what we're going to do in a few moments is uh, let you hear a little bit more. I want you to hear a little bit more from Warren Peterson, the Senate president. But I also want you to hear a little bit more from our conversation this morning with Stephen Richer. There is still a very big movement in Arizona and a lot of people that believe that elections are compromised. If they're not outright stolen, they believe that elections are compromised. They believe that a weak link in our voting system is the way we have mail-in ballots. They don't believe they're cured properly. They don't like the fact that the voter rolls aren't updated and people are getting ballots that shouldn't have them. They don't like a lot about that system and many people want voting tabulation machines to go away. They believe the only way to get a thorough and accurate vote is to do it by hand. So it was refuted by the county recorder. We'll let you hear a little bit of that. And more from the Senate president on what he believes is the right fiscal direction for the state of Arizona. So a lot to talk about coming up in the next 30 minutes of the show. Stick around. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, appreciate you spending some time with us. The, the goal here is to kind of come to an understanding of what direction we're going. Um, I had a great conversation this morning with the county recorder, Stephen Richer. And, uh, you know, I feel for Stephen because I've, I know him casually. I've, I've done a bunch of events with him. We haven't spent a whole lot of time together, but I spent enough time with him to know a 
couple of things. Number one, he's a smart man. He is really a smart guy. Uh, the other part of it is I know he really cares. And uh, the demonization of people we disagree with is one of the things I wish we could change. I was just asked recently. There was a thing in Arizona Foothills magazine. I, I, I shared it on Facebook, and they asked me a bunch of questions. And, and one of them was one thing I'd like to change, and I'd like to change the way we deal with people we disagree with, our perception of someone we disagree with. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, it, it's, it's, it really bothers me because it takes away from the conversation of actually getting to a solution. The you're wrong, therefore you're evil. I disagree with you. You're part of the problem. You are in on it. You are, you know, here's a, and, and this isn't just to defend Stephen, it's to make a point. Um, you are in a situation <clears throat> where you disagree with somebody in authority. You don't like something that happened. So instead of you saying, I think you're wrong, you say you're in on it. You're rigging elections. And it just is not a good thing to do. On the other side of that, <clears throat> there are people out there that believe that our elections are compromised. These are reasonable people. There, and not all of them. I mean, there's not all of them on either side of a conversation. But there are reasonable people, well thought out people that believe our elections are compromised, if not outright stolen, compromised. So to discount someone and it's easy to put them in the category of crazy. It is easy to relegate someone to a tinfoil hat wearing psycho uh, instead of listening to why they feel the way they do and at least acknowledging they have a right to feel the way they do. That doesn't mean we bend over backwards, but it does mean we consider other people's feelings just like you want to be considered. And so Stephen Richer was talking about a couple of things. I want to replay a couple of comments he made. I asked him, how do you respond to people that say we should get rid of mail-in voting? And his response basically was, it's not going anywhere. And I said, what about the people that want to get rid of tabulation machines? There are people out there that believe that the tabulation machines are compromised. That, and I'm, I don't agree with it, by the way. I don't subscribe to that at all. But there are people that believe that that's true, and there is a pretty strong movement out there of people that want to get rid of voting machines. I don't think that's going to happen either, but I want you to hear Stephen Richard's response to those people of what happens, you know, how do you respond to people that feel that way? Studies have shown across industries, whether it's voting or any other industry, that when it comes to repetitive, redundant tasks, machines are much faster and much more accurate than our humans. And so if you're talking about election integrity, you actually want machines part of the process and remove humans who are, of course, fallible. And also, you know, when there are bad, when the rare occasion when there's a bad actor, it's a human, not a machine. One of the other things he said that we got into the idea of how do we expedite? How do we get our elections back on track? How do we restore people's faith? How do we make them better? He talked about the equipment and he talked about being able to use the tabulation machines in the days before election day. And he made an excellent point about, you know, if you, well, I'll let him make it about, you don't want to, you don't want to do a dry run on election day. You don't really want to be testing things out or running things for the first time on your busiest day of the year. And so, 
you know, I, I'd like for the elections departments to be able to do that on at least the Saturday, Sunday, and Monday before Election Day Tuesday. What's interesting is um, working – and when I was a kid, I loved work. I still love restaurants, so I would love to work in a restaurant. I know that sounds silly. I think maybe because I don't have to do it, so it sounds very romantic to me. But I love working in restaurants. I like the camaraderie in the kitchen. I like the hectic pace of a busy restaurant, whether it's front of house or back of house. I love all of that. I love that excitement and the stress and, and the interaction with people that you work with and customers. I just love the whole atmosphere of a restaurant. And I was a part of an opening of a restaurant when I was a kid. I was 15 years old. I lied on my application and said I was 16 to get a job at this place. And uh, it was a brand new ground up restaurant. It was called Casa Lupita. And they they actually used to build restaurants to compete with Garcia's of Scottsdale. And it was before I had ever been to Scottsdale, Arizona. And it was a great restaurant. But they did a soft opening. They had family and friends of employees come in for free meals. And they ran it like the day they were going to open. Putting in tickets into the machine, tickets into the kitchen. How did the kitchen run? How did they respond? How did they expedite the food? All of it was done as if it was open, except it was a it was a dry run. People weren't being charged. If mistakes were going to be made, it was on a time when they still had time before go time. So I don't necessarily disagree with the idea. I think in principle, it's a pretty good idea to say if there's bugs to be worked out. You know the number of people you're going to have on election day. Why wouldn't we have early voters and why wouldn't we be able to put those ballots in the machines ahead of time? Not necessarily a bad idea. And I, so I kind of liked it. Um, and uh, he talked about more time to tabulate votes. He talked about getting votes and getting results faster is sometimes the key. I propose being able to tabulate on site for multiple days. So right now, if you want to feed your ballot in directly into the tabulator at the voting location, you have to show up on election day, get that printed, fill it out, and then feed it into the tabulator. I think it is perilous and bizarre that we can only do that on election day because that means that the first time that equipment runs, is on election day. Yeah, and, and he's right. And it wouldn't, again, I, I don't know the ins and outs. I'm talking about me. These are big ideas or broad ideas, I should say, not big, but broad ideas. And the idea being, if you're an early voter, you like the convenience of early voting. And we saw this happen in huge numbers. People did not want to drop their ballots in the mail. So they filled out the early ballot. They signed the outside of the envelope. They showed up on Election Day, and all of those votes had to be counted at a later time. Not only that, they still had to be cured, which means the, the signatures had to, be tabula- or had to be matched. So someone, a person, had to look at the signature on the envelope and look at the signatures they had on file to make sure they matched. And if there was a question about whether or not they matched, they had to contact the voter. And it delayed the results, especially in the very close elections we had for a very long time time. So if we had a way for those early voters to take advantage, the best of both worlds, you take all the time you need, privacy of your home, go over the issues and the candidates, fill out your ballot, bring it in. Now you've got it in that envelope. And while you are there, you go through the same process an election day voter goes through. You make sure they know who you are. You show your ID or your voter registration. You check in like a voter does. Everything the same, except your ballot's already filled out. 
Once you've been verified, once you've been validated, you take your ballot, you feed it into a tabulation machine, and you watch your ballot be counted. Then at the end of Election Day, all of those machines and that information is downloaded, and an hour after the polls close, when you see that first drop in numbers, we dramatically increase the number of people that have voted. Now, I don't know the negative side of that. There might be a negative to that that I don't know about, but I'm just throwing out there what the possibilities are. And so I like the conversation. More with my conversation with Warren Peterson, the Senate president, he talked about slowing down the building of homes and how much it's costing people and the idea of how the state can reduce inflation and a direction that they want to go that they believe is is coincides with the direction our governor may want to go. We'll talk about all of it coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, I appreciate you spending some time with me. Last few minutes we have in the show, I want you to hear from the Senate president a couple of things he was talking about. Um, He said there's a couple of places he believes that him and the governor can work together, that they have some agreements on. He talked about the water crisis, but then he also talked about the budget issue, and he gave a a bit of a civics lesson, and he said, you know, some previous legislatures have gotten a little bit lazy in allowing the governor to dictate some things, but he talked about the legislature being a powerful body, and they are the ones that actually put out budgets. It's the legislature that introduces the budget. Governors can introduce budgets. They don't have that ability or authority, but we've allowed them with their, since they have one voice, we've allowed them to get ahead of the legislature. But you know, we did something very unique this year, Mike, and I thought it showed good unity on part of both of our caucuses. We actually put our budget out before the governor put her budget out, which is what we should be doing. And what this does, and he did talk about the brilliance of the founders, and he said, listen, it's the most powerful um, um, branch of government is the legislative branch. But in the brilliance of the founding fathers, you spread that power out among a lot of different people, and you make them come together on a consensus as they move forward. And he's 100 percent right. Um, But we also know that the governor, much like the president being the chief executive, has the power of the veto. So what is it exactly that the governor will will um will compromise on and sign a budget or are we going to see a veto we don't have the line item veto are we going to see places of compromise one of the things we talked at length about um and he did expand on was the AEL the aggregate expenditure limit that was put on in 1980 um, by vote of the people. And what it does is it adjusts the Constitution, which means in order to override it, you have to have a two-thirds majority to override it. And that's going to be a temporary override that he believes can be done. Now, he didn't commit that it was going to. I talked with the Speaker of the House, Ben Toma, last week, and he was very confident in saying it's going to get done. It needs to get done. We're going to get it done. Mr. Peterson didn't waver. It wasn't as if he was giving a non-answer, but he was what he said was yes it can get done but we have to look at value and it's another thing that I agree with him on I want to see education spending be as much as education spending needs to be I don't think we should shortchange our kids at all at the same time we need to make sure that we are getting value for the money we spend especially here there are a lot of places where we understand that there's redundancy and waste in government and we allow that to happen and sometimes it's 
the nature of the beast. But because it is so important that our children get a quality education, it is one area that we cannot compromise the quality. That whatever money we spend, we have to squeeze every penny out of every dollar to ensure that kids are getting the best education possible with that money. If money were the issue, this is the – and he went at length to talk about how the Republicans have been the ones that have spent so much money on education in the last 10 years that they have actually hit this aggregate expenditure limitation. It is a – it was put in place so that you can't spend too much money, and they've hit this AEL now twice – two years in a row. Meaning there is a lot more money being spent. Last legislative session was Republican-led House and Senate and a Republican governor. But he is talking about value, which I don't disagree with. Um, We have to find a way to make sure we are getting a quality education for our kids. And I don't care what political party you're affiliated with. If money were the issue, if it were the only issue, throwing more money at the problem, I do not know. I'm sure they do exist. But I don't know of anyone that wouldn't say, well, obviously, if it's just writing that check to ensure a good education, write the check. Even I, who've never supported a tax increase of any kind, would say if that's the goal and that is the solution and you can show me that's the solution, I'm all in. But we have seen it time and again across the country. There are districts that spend huge amounts of money to educate children in their cities and school districts that are failing miserably. So it isn't just a money issue. So I think what we have to do is set aside these predisposed ideas. The Republicans don't care about education. They don't spend on education and all this other stuff and the Republicans got to set aside some of their predisposed ideas about the Democrats and they've got to come together they've got to figure out a way that they can work together and make sure that we're doing the best we can for the kids forget your political ideology for the kids if we can pull that off we're going to be a much better place to live and we're going to see much better results in 10, 15, 20 years All right, just about out of time. That means if you're a social media user, at Broomhead KTAR is where you can find me um, on Twitter. At Broomhead Show update you on what's happening, guests and otherwise on the show. Please follow both accounts. And if you like uh, Instagram, Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram is where you can find me. Would love to stay in touch between shows, and that's the best way to reach me. I hope you'll reach out. We'll be back tomorrow morning as we do, starting at just after 8 o'clock every day with a brand new edition of the show. I appreciate you spending some time with me this morning, and I hope you can do the same tomorrow. So until tomorrow, have a great day, everyone. God bless.